Welcome back, folks, to another exciting episode. And actually, we're going back to the series of the Legends of Musky Fishing. And, folks, we got a special, special guest for you today. Very excited to do this one. Have been wanting to do this for a couple of years now. Uh, no doubt. Robbie, this is going to be this interesting. Is a, this is going to be fun. Mr. James Linder is here. Thank you so much for, uh, you know... You could be fishing right now and for redfish, but you decided to sit on the couch and chat uh, muskies and your life story kind of um, of how you got started mus or fishing in general, we should say. But thank sure. you for your time, James. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's my, it's my pleasure. No question about it. I've worked with you guys for a lot. I've always uh, found it pleasurable to the chances I've gotten to fish with you guys and both Lily. We spent some pretty interesting times in the boats at different <laughs> times. <you know. laughs> for awesome. sure. Well, before we dive into it, uh, we just want to give a quick shout out. Um, I, myself, and the rest of the crew, other than Robbie and Heidi, uh, will be at the Minnesota Muskie Expo, and that's going to be on March 10th, 11th, 12th, and that is in Minneapolis at the Warner Coliseum, uh, Coliseum Minnesota State Fairgrounds. So make sure you uh, check into that. Um, I will have all the hot new Lee lures there. We'll have some ninjas. We'll have some heart attacks. And of course, it's just a super quality show. Paul Hartman that runs it there uh, puts on an amazing event with, I don't know how many musky booths are there. There gotta be, I don't know, there's hundreds. There's a ton of musky booths. This is the big one. So if you can make it, make it to this one, make sure you stop on out. Uh, looking forward to seeing all you guys out there. Um, so, then again, that's March 10th, 11th, 12th, and uh, we'll see you there. Uh, okay, enough with uh, all that hoopla. Let's dive into Mr. James Linder. It's so awesome to have you on here. We are so appreciative of this. And uh, so, by the way, I, first question, whereabouts are you right now? What are you up to? <laughs> I, I, my wife and I, actually, we have to take a hiatus out of the, uh, the cold country, and we come down here for... A little bit of spend some time down in florida and um, right now that's what i was out fishing redfish and sea trout today really it's sort of a stellar day boy they pull like banshees so <laughs> i hang out down in sort of uh northeast it's actually in the panhandle of florida right now okay yeah not way gotcha. not way way south that's actually it still can be pretty cool around here even during the uh the 45 degree nights around here sure still okay well, right it was, it's it was 70 degrees out today and i got a yeah it's I got still a sun, i got a sunburn <laughs> <laughs> Which, what were they nibbling on um they were biting on uh little sw swim baits really lightweight swim baits and you're casting over like these little hard uh oyster bars in the, then okay. turtle grass flats and they come up and they feed and right now actually this is high tide like right now and they come up and they feed up in these really shallow flats. So you're sort of sight fishing them, you know, oh, hand casting and reel, reeling the bait really fast over these flats. And they just smoke it when they hit it. They pull like banshees, boy. They pull, Especially they in the really, kayak. They really pull hard. <laughs> a kayak is a really yeah. pr pretty good platform to fish out of. It really is. Right. So the fish are so spooky that if you have a boat up around them, they're – they're really, really spooky boats. You know what I mean? You have to make really, really long casts. I'm using like a sure. foot, you know, a seven foot or an eight six uh, rod, something you can really launch a bait a long wow. distance away from the boat. But when they pound it, I, they just crunch it, man. When they hit it, it's really fun. I know you even shared a few pictures with me the other night of your uh, uh, 
redfish expeditions maybe we can flash a couple of those oh, even on the screen oh, here exactly. yeah. <laughs> james linder kayak fishing we, we haven't seen it on the show before it's so. awesome but boy they're t they're tough they got to, there's another one of my favorites down here is black drum which grow considerably oh, yeah. larger than them which uh, i've caught them up to like 25 to 35 pounds sure. really big really big stuff long <laughs> fish yeah nice yeah. That's cool. Well, let's say, uh, let's, why don't we dive into this and we'll go all the way back to the wee infant of James Linder. Uh, how did you get started in fishing? What was your first fishing experiences as a kid? Um, it was actually fishing with uh, both my father and uncle. And at that point in time, we were living in uh, uh, Franklin Park, Illinois, but we would go up to my grandma, great Al's or my, it'd be my great-grandmother's cabin on Grindstone Lake in Hayward, Wisconsin. And actually, Al, when he was a kid, he actually went up there a lot in his teen years, hung around up there and actually got started guiding muskies and guiding as a whole, and actually just really got into fishing. That's where it really started at, actually, there. My, my grandmother and my grandfather never really fished. It was actually my my. Uncle, one of my uncles, or I should say one of Al's uncles actually got him into fishing, which actually inspired him. And then it inspired, you know, to take us, obviously, when we were growing up, I, we went up there a lot. I remember we were fishing, this is years and years ago, we were on, on a lake uh, right next to Grindstone Lake, it's called Johnson Lake. We we're throwing plastic worms and I hooked a bass where my father thought it was like a state record. It was like a 10 pounder or something like that. The fish sure. actually jumped off by the side of the bo boat. My dad grabbed the rod for, grabbed the grabbed the rod when he saw saw it. I mean, this is when we were really, really young, really young. And I'm not kidding you. It was like some, but like a state record. It was a huge one. Huh? Wisconsin <laughs> state record muskie. Right. We used to fish on a lot of those lakes up there, around uh, and Couteray and. Uh, uh, do, do the flowages, you know, drifting those uh, various rivers, and you know, do a lot of different fishing, which re really sort of got us into fishing as a whole. As a whole, you know, at a very very young age. At that point in time, we were actually uh, building. Uh, my uncle and my father were building a Lindner tackle manufacturing, which they actually made small like bucktail jigs and made actually some of the first. Uh, you know, made inline musky spinner baits, all different types sure. of things. I mean, from year year, this is many, many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but from there, we actually moved to Wisconsin, and uh, we moved to the Rhinelander area, and we lived there for about a year and a half or so. And we fished on a what was it, Lake George over there, which actually there was a right next to it. It was really interesting. There was this guy who was our next door neighbor. His name was Hickory Campbell and he used to catch muffins <laughs> off the dock. And he kept oh, no kidding. floats and suckers off the dock. Hickory Campbell. But the weird thing about what Hickory Campbell used to do You'd kill all the muskies, cut their heads off, and nail them to a tree. I'm serious. I'm oh, that's serious. what they would do. Like stacked, like some of the trees in the background had, had a bunch of musky skeletons heads on the trees, and they weren't very big fish. You know what I mean? They're, but yeah, you know, it's just sort of it's something that we remember years ago, right? Years, years, and years ago, but. And, and my family's cabin, they there. That, my dad yeah. was a draftsman, and then we ended up moving to Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, we used to, uh, we moved to uh, Minnesota, 
and that that's about when we really got into uh fishing then at that point in time al and ron wanted to actually buy a resort okay and they were going to start uh a resort and a uh, guiding and that's what they did they moved to that's why they based in the Brainerd Lakes area because of the quality of the fisheries is, you know, so many different big lakes. And, um, they ultimately started Lindy tackle tackle manufacturing company about that time at the, uh, part of the Lindy's years when they just started the company at Lindy tackle, I was actually uh, shooting still photography, but when I, when I went to college, uh, for a period of time, and then I actually started guiding in Canada for the, throughout the summers, which was really sort of an inspiring, uh, time for me to really learn yeah. a love for fit to angling where I spent so much time on the water. I almost spent like 90 days straight guiding every, every, huh. every day. It was always intriguing because they'd always, uh, the guy who ran the, the resort, he, he'd get these guides and what they were, they were actually college students from Winnipeg. And we, lived, okay. we were on a pretty big lake. This is on uh, Atiqua Lake. This lake was probably, you know, 65 mi miles in length. And the early on, the I'd have to go find the guides because they were lost on the lake. <laughs> I'm serious. They'd get, they would get lost out on this on this lake. I'd have to go find our guy. No GPS. <laughs> no <laughs> GPS. Yeah. What? I'd have to go I, run them around and sort of train them in. And, but it used that's funny. I'm up there fishing for a wide variety of different fish species, which is really cool. And the fact that we actually had, uh, I think we had like 12 different portage lakes. And these were like wow. virgin fisheries. I mean, you go in there and the northern pike and walleye fishing was just stellar. It was just unbelievable uh, fishing. And <laughs> as I said, we actually had our own private musky lake. It was called musky, musky lake, uh, <laughs> had lake trout, you know what I mean? So it's, I had a chance to really uh, fish for a lot of different fish species in a lot of different conditions, you know what I mean? Where you really learned a lot when you spend that much time on the water. It was always really, really intriguing. You know, especially uh, to learning uh, Canadian lake, can, you know the the pulse of Canadian Canadian lakes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and that was a, obviously a shield shield deal. Yeah, big rock, big rock bars, and yeah, whatnot. oh yeah, Achiqua Lake is a classic, the oligotrophic lake. Cool, like really deep, uh, uh, deep water, low population of walleye, really big. Uh, yeah, marginal, uh, a fair population of pike, very large, very very large pike, uh, which was what was the what, what was the biggest fish that you that you caught in that time of uh, uh, guiding up there? We would actually, that's a great question. Actually, the guy who was uh, one of the older uh, statesman guides that I used to, his name was John Terrio, and he taught me a lot about fishing for lake trout. But almost every year for the years that we were there, we actually had caught some of the largest lake trout caught in Ontario were caught out of that lake, you know, like 30 pounders, 35 pounders, Jeez. you know, were caught out of there. We'd always catch them at the same time of the year. We'd always catch okay. them in uh, mid July when the fish were all sandwiched down in deep water and we'd be white sure. trolling with three-way rigs and uh, flutter spoons with sutton, okay, wow. sutton spoons, three-way fishing in anywhere between 50 and 70 foot of water. It yep. catches gi really giant lake trout. What's a length on a 30, 35 pounder? I don't know. They're really, those are the ones that are really, they're really bizarre. <laughs> Tall, because right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not even really that long. The whole thing, they have just tremendous girth. I mean, they, yes, they, look, yep. like little, they look like pigs, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. They're not really that long, but they have tremendous girth, girth on them. And it was cool. intriguing. And I never understood why they're, because you'd actually have these fish that look really brilliant red, 
in color, mm-hmm, sure. like redfin Mackinac, or you know what I mean. They were very red in color, but the, okay. but, the but the big ones were always the gray ones that were really gray in color. Color the silvery silvery ones were the real giants that we caught. In. Sure, but I got a huh. really cool big pike. I'd get on really uh, fabulous big pike. Oh, how mid, cool. Midsummer or late summer, we'd get those uh, really low pressure in there. And what I'd do is get up on the tops of these uh, main lake sunken humps and throw big spinner baits out on these uh, jigging spinner baits out on these humps for really okay. big pike throughout this uh, late late summer. Late summer, you get those low pressure where you had that really clouds and overcast really push down. And you'd, I'd get on some, you know, just fabulous big, big pike bites up there. Wow. Yeah. Like mid 40s or, or better. Uh, oh no yeah you'd catch fish yeah big big 40s you know really big canadian pike yeah big guys so <laughs> yeah big, big pretty good size ones yeah yeah that's so cool yeah, yeah that'll start the, the the fishing bug off right yeah it did <laughs> they really got kidding. me hooked into it and then i came back from there and actually the weird thing was uh about that time they had just sold uh Lindy Tackle Manufacturing to ESB or electric storage battery. And Dad and Al started to, uh, well, we were going to do something else. They got into the television production because we actually had uh, the, uh, our, our, you know, the television show promoting Lindy Tackle Manufacturing. So that's sure. how we actually got, we actually started started into into the fishing publishing business more okay in the tv side of things we used to actually shoot i used to shoot a canon scubic and 16 millimeter film we used mm-hmm. to use film cameras at that point in time and that's where i actually started got into the production business was about that time when we started doing all the production from there we went to from 30 or 16 millimeter film then we went into video etc and went through the many generations changes of, uh, yeah of, uh, of different yeah for various formats which i keep on going backward in time daniel keeps on because we keep on archiving this stuff and we have to keep oh, upgrading sure. all these different formats you know what i mean yep. you vhs and you know you go through all these years through a cd to, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, <laughs> C- cds and mini dv and dv and, you know what i mean and, and, and well, <laughs> ask, i mean it's just amazing yeah and the quality of the cameras today so that's like holy mackerel and i'm sure the weight was a little different on some of those cameras <laughs> oh no they were really big heavy heavy cameras and i know we used to shoot musky shows and i would be guys holding on it for three days holding the camera and this is where, where you couldn't roll backward you know what i mean yep. so i'd have to sit there and you're rolling three days following doug stangy and doug johnson on lake of the woods waiting for a bite <laughs> and actually i got a lot of really cool footage though oh yeah yeah because, that's you know, awesome you know i knew where the fish was going to come from because we had actually had follow follows and you know what i mean so you're in you knew you were in a pretty anticipation area, so, you know rolling or Doug Johnson would say, yeah, you might want to roll right now. We're right in the next five casts. We right. might get one right here. Yeah. That's but, awesome. But so I you're the question yeah, about for Lindy, Lindy Tackle. Yeah. What, what was the first Lindy Tackle item that you can remember that was uh, at a production, say, scale? Uh, was it a jig? Was it the Lindy rig? No, or, it, was a, was... it was the Lindy rig. The Lindy rig. Okay. The Lindy okay. rig. We actually started that in. Uh, actually, we started that before we even got to Minnesota. That the whole walking sinker, and it was not. A, it was like a derivation from uh, Bill Binkelman's uh, 
Nightcrawler Secrets, which he used to do a lot of split shotting with live Nightcrawlers. But it, what it was is taking a step further, like so many different things in angling. You're taking the concept and modifying the concept. So you're fishing in deeper water. All of a sudden, we're starting to, you know, starting to use electronics in deeper water conditions where you're sitting there where this, you know, you're taking a live bait rig or a Nightcrawler Secret and just putting heavier weight on it. And now we're fishing deeper structure. You know what I mean? With the with depth finders, you know, and in the fact that you can go drive around and, you know, figure out the shapes of these underwater structures, which ultimately got turned into back trolling in a wide variety yeah. of different concepts and angling, you know what I mean? That a lot of people use still use to, to today, you know what I mean? For sure. That's cool. The Lindy rig. So how did they mold the first sinker? Lindy, it, the, the Lindy rig, sinker. I remember very clearly to this day, and we were actually, uh, my dad was uh, big on plaster of Paris and we'd make clay, we'd make a clay, uh, uh, a clay walking sinker and then take plaster of Paris and make a mold. Okay. Sure. Then you take the, take it out. And we'd actually did the prototypes. We were making pouring lead into these plaster of Paris molds is what, what we did. Yes. Which were obviously not very durable, but, and, you know, you can make a couple of them. And that's about, about it, you know what I mean? But I remember we actually making a wide variety of, of different things like that. My dad used to tinker with it, and he'd have all this big mess and, you know, plaster Paris and mold and pouring sinkers, and it was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, we were, when I was a kid, I still had burns on my legs from pouring sinkers in, really? in our basement, <laughs> which I'm Molten lead. I don't know if it would have been – OSHA approved to actually have oh. orange sinkers, lead sinkers in a basement with seven Not much ventilation above. And we yeah. got all these kids in that were, it was like a, a sweatshop in the basement. <laughs> my mom, the Linder sweatshop. Exactly. We're pouring sinker. Me and my brother were pouring lead sinkers to make Lindy rigs and then making the, the, uh, the snells. Snell, the snell yeah. snap swivels, which was the absolute oh best job in the world, the snap swivels. They'd give you a giant bag of them and you make 25 bucks and you'd say, well, that's a really good deal until you started making a snap swivel and you cl clip them together. You take the, the snap and cl hook it to the swivel with a pair of pliers and you have this bag of thousands of them. But, oh, right. but you'd actually funny. have the hand, you know, literally hand wrapping them. And this they actually started in our basement. You know? Wow. I did not know that. That's I'm, very cool. I'm Gull <laughs> Lake and, uh, in Wilson Bay. And we used to do a lot of the prototypes actually like the, uh, we had this other bait, which was called the, uh, the Lindy's, uh, it was a spinner or it was like a spin jig. And it was a fabulous fish catcher, which was just a spinner. And what we do is go out on Gull Lake and you pull suckers around. Boy, did we catch big pike with that thing, all different fish with that. The, uh, the spin rig it was called. Sure. Lindy spin, okay. spin rig. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. What were maybe a couple of the other Lindy uh, products back, way back in the day? There? Oh, we made uh, uh, pl some plastic worms. Actually, one of the first, uh, I think one of the first uh, safety pin spinner baits for musky uh, safety pin spinner baits was designed by my dad, actually. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. First uh, safety cool. pin, you mean the big, big profile safety pin spinner sure. baits. Sure. Yeah. Spinner baits, yeah. And they actually ended up catching, shooting shows on them up on... Uh, Little, I think Little Boy with uh, Ted Capra caught some really big, big ones on those those first spinner baits. And they also made another really good uh, inline bait, which was a uh, 
what was that called? Not the swiper, uh, the musky. What was that thing called? It was an inline musky bait, and it had like a minnow-shaped head, but it had a fluted blade on it. And it was a really, a really good, good bait, really good bait, good inline hmm. small bucktail at that point in time. Yeah. Okay. It, it was it reminds really me of the the old Meps uh, Comet loose loose socks. Lusa, okay. With yeah. the the weight for, weight forward, musky spinner they used to. That's have. what it was. Mm. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what sure. that's what it was. Yeah, but we'd actually have to do the same thing. We were tying up bucktails. We'd have big piles of calf tails. We'd actually go to the stockyards in Chicago and get these big boxes of calf tails. Is you know oh stock, what this was. I'm serious. That's <laughs> crazy. That's yeah, so what? cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of intriguing. Wow. Dad was a really sort of a, a he was a really interesting animal. He really really got into things and when he got into it, he got into it really deep, really deep. <laughs> but That's that was awesome. a Lindy, so you know what I mean? And we actually sold that company and got into in fishermen, which was, you know, really a number of really informative years. That was probably one of the more, more informative years in angling too, you know, which, uh, which was about the same time bass really came into, uh, into being at that point in time, you know what I mean? So like early seventies or yeah. when are you talking? Yeah. yeah. Late sixties, early, early seventies. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really revolutionary time in angling. Just, a. Uh, the whole algebra of angling and understanding the nature of uh, fish and understanding seasonal movements. And it wasn't uh, one of those things of, of any type of luck. It had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Understanding the individual uh, lake classification systems, you know what I mean? In different bodies of water, reservoirs, highland impoundments, lowland impoundment to natural lakes, et cetera. But, sure. So you started with the tackle company, basically, you guys. And then it kind of morphed into, you said it went right to media as far as like producing um, content to prove, you know, each of the tackle items, right? It was the, the magazine hadn't, that wasn't in play yet. You were actually filming prior to uh, the magazine, correct? You're right about, kinda- about, well, we were actually, it was at the tail end of it. Uh- of uh, they were all actually got a little bit into publishing at that point in time because they had to publish a catalog and they were actually doing some amount mm. of writing for different uh, uh, fishing publications, Facts of Fishing and who else, uh, a variety of different public publishing. My dad was writing uh, different things, obviously, to promote and sell baits. Education, educate and sell, sell the, more of these these baits. But that was their first, like, um, I guess, footstep into the uh production business in the publishing industry because they first started that out and we actually he's he somehow my dad got a a a a bunch of uh mailing lists from some guys and they actually Hmm. sent it out and it was really intriguing and it, it was the impetus of the uh in fishermen this was when they were first a segment uh segments or i shouldn't say uh study study guides there was no advertising my dad was good with he had this concept that there was absolutely going to be no advertising obviously that went out the door pretty quick <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, but the, the interesting thing was when they went out and did this mailing list and they did this in-depth uh a mailing list to these publications there, there was so many different people that were interested in learning about angling we were just uh 
they actually, you know, and I forgot what the price point was for the uh, the first study guides or what they were, but they generated like a lot of money in a relative okay. period of time. And just based on these mailing, these various mailing lists that they had gotten, which was really sort of intriguing, which actually- People were starving for information. information. That's absolutely. And it's at, at the same time when BASS was just starting to move fishing. Sure. Um, People were making a living doing it. Yes. Is that when the tournaments really started? Yeah. It was the early 70s, 70s as well? Yeah, okay. actually, I was fishing uh, even the tournaments before the BASS. Okay. There was other tournaments going on, national tournaments that were started okay. at that time. Yeah. So. Gotcha. The idea in Fisherman Magazine. Yeah, in, in Fisherman Magazine. And they, that went for 20 years, and they eventually started – a wide variety, obviously, in Fisherman Magazine itself, the In Fisherman Television Show, uh, numerous publications from, uh, uh, you know what I mean, and a kids' camp. They camped fish for a number of years, which was uh, a labor of love. It was some, something that uh, we lost a lot of money doing, and we did it for several years. And finally, we had a CEO, one of our chief financial officer, looked at us or looked at my dad and Al said, I, I don't think you should be doing this. This is costing us a really, a really sure. lot of money. You know what I mean? And it was always trying to garner uh, some type of sponsorship dollars associated with the kids camp. But the intriguing thing about that whole thing about that camp fish, mm -hmm. the number of years that we ran it, the interesting thing is, is how many people are still in the industry today from camp fish or in various, or sure. actually grew up running camps in alaska you know in really uh, wow uh, How cool. <laughs> in the industry i mean they ultimately yeah. that camp you would not even believe it how many kids unreal actually wow. came from that camp and actually uh started went making a living yeah, went on to have a living in the in the fishing industry because of wow. that camp which was really sort of inspiring you know absolutely that's that. yeah that's awesome. because they, uh, <laughs> troy keeps on wanting to do some smaller versions of, of that actually to this day he's sure he's run a couple of smaller ones yeah of camp mm -hmm. fish but then we also, so what did then we also started the pwt the professional wildlife trail to, uh, oh, yeah. tour which actually garnered a tremendous amount of information and knowledge of of you know, angling, you know, big water angling got into that, you know, all the right. great lakes fisheries, you know, in that whole, wow, thing, yeah. you know, the Missouri river systems, you know what I mean? Different techniques and different things. Yeah. Across the whole region. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, that is crazy to think about really. Yeah. So uh, when did the magazine officially start? Do you have a, can you pin that down? Uh, that would have been, it would have been, let's see. Roughly. It would have been 80, would it be 1980 or would it be? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look, let's see, I yeah. start, we, I mean, I, I got to go backward in time because I've actually, because I left in 2000 and so then it would have been 22 years before that. It would have been 78. Sure. 78, 78, I think it would have been 79 if you actually had to be an accurate, that would be an accurate figure. Yeah. And then we st we left, I left in Fisherman because Al had a sort of no compete uh, contract, and I started another production company, which is uh, Linder Media Production, and actually got a big contract to work with Rapala to do a uh, 
a video catalog and all the Rapala baits. It was one of my first. Uh, that was the first gig. Uh, I mean, first, <laughs> along with that, the other one was working with Pro's Pointers, which was Scott and Marty Galorvigan, who ultimately oh. started Wired to Fish, which were okay. my first clients for about 10 years, too. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, James, I'm here to tell you now that in Fisherman, whether it's the magazine or uh, the former television show, is why I'm here right now talking to you today. <laughs> so, catalyst. Yeah. That's absolutely why I decided to do at the age of 10 or 11 years old. Um, I was like watching, I was uh, taping In Fisherman, Mag, uh, In Fisherman Television yeah. on a VHS player. And they were an hour long show at that time. And I just could not wait for those shows. That was like, that was my entire winter was waiting for those shows Absolutely. and watching them over and over and over. On well, you can't believe format. how much of a nightmare those were. We initially produced them oh, out in Minneapolis and how we produced those shows. It was like a craziness. We actually went in, I forgot it was down in Minneapolis, but we pre-recorded some bits and pieces of the show. And then we actually, actually did the show live. In, in, in actually did wow. live and wow. then you're rolling in these videos these pre-canned pieces in between and it was super st unbelievable stress stressful it was like unbelievable <laughs> it was like a, it was like a, but then again today's day and age all these guys do it all the time other youtubers like you guys just do it all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. Different. Yeah. Which is, it's a little different yeah there's yeah, editing yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not talking well, about tape yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say thank you because well, no, that's, you. I mean, well, that, that's how I got started and why, you know, I just pretty much said, that's what I want to do for a living. I want to share fishing with people. We actually, and that's, we were blessed that's to it. work with a really, a lot of really, uh, really tremendously talented people that had actually that same love of the sport. You know what I mean? When, when you look at the, the group of pe people that we were working with at that time, Anybody from Doug Stangy, who was a you know obviously writing skills, uh, uh, Steve Quinn from the Bass World, all different world, uh, Steve Hoffman, uh, uh, Dan, uh, Dave Sandov, Larry Dahlberg. I mean, uh, they, it's a whole cast. Just incredible. Each each one yeah. of them had their own uh, strengths that really helped them be successful you know what i mean it, it was because of all even al and ron will tell you you know they're not smart enough to, to have done all that all that it was, a, <laughs> it was a lot of a lot of hard work but a lot of alternate very very talented individual people that really had this exact same love for the sport and passion for it in the educational end of it too you know everybody had their role yeah yeah it's which is is really really fun actually the weird thing is i just spoke to larry recently actually just the other day dalbert yeah oh nice been on some really good mosquito bites as of recently yeah oh really yeah yeah really yes yeah yeah him and chris willen yeah i should got into some nice ones yeah i could say i bet yeah they did i know i don't know where that i wouldn't won't say that yeah yeah wherever that is happening i want to get in on that activity we can discuss this later that's awesome um yeah that's cool what a cool time to you know be a part of it how it how different like 
I mean, really, I mean, it's not that long of time how different the sport changed to where we're at right it's, now. It's, it's <laughs> 50 years? Oh, I absolutely. Mean, not stunning. I mean, it's, and it's, what to me is, is how it just keeps on accelerating, you know what I mean? Nuts. You know, the, just the, the, from the electronics and technology, not only electronics, it's, it, it's every different aspect from rods and reels, presentation-specific rods that are really finely tuned for that given presentation, rod line. I mean, line, a lot of people I don't say even <laughs> the dynamics align, you know what I mean? The importance of like braided line for, you know, like what these guys are doing right now as we speak. There's a bunch of the bass boys are down on Okeechobee where we used to go do that with monofilament line trying to land <laughs> the big ones out of those cane beds, which is impossible because you'd lose half of them you'd catch because you, you'd have 20% stretch even with, you know. 40 pound, yep. 30 pound mono you did you couldn't even right. put on a reel you know because it's so thick it's hilarious just look at that and then all of a sudden you start putting the electronics into it and it's just like holy mackerel it's just like it's just stunning it's really stunning and it just keeps on going faster and faster the one thing that i have always one of the pieces of equipment that are not pieces of equipment it's something that it's never he has really to me, that is really super revolutionized angling is mapping, high-end mapping. Because when you yep. get it, uh, even forward-facing sonar, side image, down imaging, all these other things are add-ons to that map. So the yep. map, especially these high-end resolution maps where they got these, like the Hummingbirds got these new VX maps, you know what I mean, where they have multiple... Uh, Six-inch imp- increments now? Oh, yeah, no, but you can color, <laughs> but you can color gradients, different yeah. portions of it. So like the weeds, I can call all the weed lines from 5 to 12 foot of water, I can turn that green. And then I can turn another color, you know what I mean? So I can color code the lake. And once with a cursory knowledge of seasonal movements of fishing, how they can speed the process, none of these other units... I can go find fish before I even go to the lake with a map. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that, you know what I mean? Especially with, and they keep on getting better and better with all yep. these maps. And I, I really, and the most revolutionary, because people will say, well, it's, you know what I mean? It's forward facing sonar, this or that, or side Im- yep. down imaging, you know what I mean? But in my estimation, mapping bar none is the most revolutionary piece of equipment technology you know associated with gps technology which is actually you know from their military you know (laughs) mapping in military with gps coordinates it gives them the ability the military is paying for this stuff you know for us (laughs) to use the we're just borrowing it you have to 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 catch fish (laughs) yeah this technology you know and they go go back and refine spots and go out in these big monstrous bodies of water safely and return safely i mean it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You know, James, James, I can remember in 2004, in the fall of 2004, when I spent the first uh, several days I ever did on Mille Lacs Lake, um, we had basically just a paper map showing five foot deep Garrison Reef, which is like a mile plus long reef. Yeah. We had no idea where we were, but... Uh, interestingly that you know in that trip I decided okay I'm actually gonna move to Minnesota and come catch these fish every day and you you know what made that possible um, mapping yeah habit had a map card that I could plug into a GPS that I got that winter on my new boat for 2005 and I was able to drive up and find a five-foot high spot on a mile-long reef 
the and dog, the dog bone, the dog, the dog bone on Garrison Reef. How many big boys? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How many fifty inchers we caught yeah. on that waypoint? Just amazing. Yeah. But uh, that map, like you said, the map card. That is what allowed me to move, come to a new lake that I basically had not fished, and you know, realistically, make a heck of a living. Uh, catching big muskies there. I know that's what you know. I I get still get a chance to do, do seminars. I actually just came back from a Iowa show just a, on the prior to coming down here, and I'm heading up to Toronto Thursday for three days up there. And uh, part of the thing thing it's always intriguing because people are always interested in uh, little techniques and lures and presentations. You know, some stellar breakthrough, but almost any presentation I do, I actually started off. One of the most important things I can do is share with you actually is, is how to use your electronics to go find fish seasonally and understanding the nature of the seasonal movements of fish, because that's where it boils down to. If I put anybody in your boat and you're going to drive with, you're going to catch them because you found them. You got to go out there and use, utilize your technology and the ability to go out in a given body of water and find them seasonally. And every time you go out on that lake, you have to understand those fish are moving. They're in a seasonal progression is going on. They're just constantly, constantly moving. And that's for you as anglers to understand that in the ability to use your electronics wisely, you know, to their full potential. And then you become really, really dangerous. You know what I mean? I, I, I think so. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what you guys and your family and staff, uh, did to a T was teaching us really how to understand each individual species and their seasonal movements. And I mean, really that's, I mean, you guys pioneered that and, and brought it to the masses yeah. and the, the, the impact was just astronomical. You know, what's, Incredible. what's super cool about, you know, and the fact that we were blessed to, uh, like you were saying for all these different species. And for me personally, every different species of fish has its own unique personality that ultimately makes you a better angler for other fish. And let me explain you what I'm, what I mean by that. Like, uh, like bluegills, you know, and even when bluegills are really hot and active, the bait has to be moving at a slow speed. So it, it, it teaches you something about boat control. Uh, the uh, using really light line, the difference between using three pound test and eight pound test and how many different bluegills, because they have, you know, fabulous monocular vision that are used to eating these <laughs> microscopic copiopods and zooplankton in the water column. Yep. I mean, if you use a heavier <laughs> line, they don't bite it. You know what I mean? So it, it teaches you even boat control, because if the boat is moving, you're blowing too fast, you won't catch the fish because the baits can't be moving that quick. You know what I mean? Uh, musky yeah. fishing you know what i mean i would look at muskies i mean uh you know do you, do you how much do you finesse fish muskies you know what i mean they're oh what Th that what? was i think i was uh gonna say probably the thing that i think robbie and i kind of keyed in on um more so than a lot of the fishermen out there at the time was fishing slow for muskies. Yeah. yeah finesse fishing muskies I just, yeah, no, that was definitely our program. <laughs> yep, I got slow top water. You got to remember me, Lee, to send you this article about why muskies don't bite. Yeah, I, saw, I read. Did that. you? Yeah, you did. Okay, <laughs> I did read oh, you that. did read that. But it was done with the little peanuts in some pond or something or another. Is that the they interviewed them? The the muskies. 
What's that? They interviewed the muskies. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'd like to chat with one one day. <laughs> well, just this muskies as a as a whole are one of those fish that you know a lot. Classically, you know, you don't really finesse fish them. They're very hard yeah. to finesse because they they're a peak top of the line predator they you know they these narrow feeding windows you have to be there at the right time and the whole idea the whole concept you know the wendell's think thinking on muskies put a bucktail on and go over and cover ground as fast as you can and sooner or later one's gonna bite it you know what i mean which is a good sort of a good idea you know people ask me well how do you catch a muskie it'd be really simple put a bucktail on it you know, something you yeah. cast a long cast. time and cast till it hurts. <laughs> yep. At some point in time, you'll be reeling it in. It won't, it's it's going to stop reeling. <laughs> it's just the way, the way the way those fish are, you know. What I mean? yep. And I've, yeah. I've went through different things trying to figure out how to finesse them. And I don't know if that's a good way to do it or not. But, I mean, just every different fish that's, you know, like smallmouth bass. You look at a smallmouth bass, they're all over the road. They're a cool, really one of the coolest fish because you can catch them on microscopic hair jigs is the best bait to catch them during, you know, bug hatches. But sure. poking, throwing big jump baits, you know, in, in deep water, and they're blowing them out of the water, you know what I mean? And they're all, they're everywhere in between, and they have such a, a – really diverse uh, personality and the way you can trigger them into biting and like cat and mouse and they're, they're really intriguing fish to yeah no that's a good way to put it fish for you know just because of, of that uh sort of really different personality you know even walleyes as, as much as like walleyes are like one of those fish that I don't like really fishing for them unless I'd go for big ones. Generally, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the truth. You know, uh, uh, me too. Careful, careful what you no, say no. here. Well, what, what, I, what I'd say, I probably am not going to go fish for a bunch of eater walleyes. That yeah. personally does not intrigue me. Intrigue me yeah. that much to go do that. I've caught enough eater walleyes, and I will do do it every once in a while. They go get a bunch of eaters, and yeah, my wife and she likes eating them, but. Uh, I just personally wouldn't do that in my angling experience. I just wouldn't do that that much anymore. I actually go fish for exotic species. I love, I've really been getting into cat fishing. I love carp fishing, you know, carp are yeah. unbelievable uh, fish to catch. And actually not, not catching them with bait. I'm catching them with, you know, hair jigs and stuff like that, you know, where you're cool. fishing with like bone fishing, you know, I mean, pass shooting them and stuff. It's really, really fun. Yeah, they're smart, smart critter. <laughs> they're very, 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 very weary, especially big ones like those ones on Mille Lacs lakes. And you used to see those big ones in Mille Lacs. Lake. Wow, those are those are really tough fish to catch, boy. I didn't know they were in there. Wow. Oh no, there's giants in there. There's got to be some thirty pounders, right? Oh, yeah, well, not even a question about that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But you might catch them like just like pass shooting hair jigs, little one inch grubs, and little hair jigs about this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fun. So, just, just like it's just like bone fishing, it really is. Well, it's like the one time uh, we were fishing together for that uh, the land of what ten thousand fish. Yeah, for the suckers, that was really interesting. Oh, the, sight fishing the, the, them. The big red horse. Yeah, the big red, red horses horse. yeah, up on the sand flats. The drone footage was so cool. Of that. Yeah, that looks. Good. Um, that's what I mean. That's Every awesome. one of those fish, it's like I love fishing for all different fish. Every, oh yeah. Every different fish it's has like, its own unique. Uh, characteristic characters you know that actually ultimately mm -hmm. makes you a better angler as a whole you know what i mean right so much of different 
knowledge that can cross this geographical and species boundaries. And that's what, that's, that's, then you're really a, a real, real animal <laughs> fishing. Yeah. yeah. I know. It kind of, sh- <laughs> it would definitely shoot yourself in the foot only fishing for muskies. <laughs> I mean, True. What's uh, definitely better to be fully rounded. No, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I wish I was a better you, walleye angler for that reason. Okay. <laughs> I wish I was a better walleye angler for that reason. I think I'd be a better muskie fisherman too. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the magazine, um, let's hear what maybe your favorite part of that era of Linder Media and uh, or in fishermen or you know just that whole in fisherman era. What was maybe your favorite? Um, I don't know favorite parts of it something that really sticks out you really enjoyed that we really we sort of touched on some of it you know in the fact that in the fact i actually got to travel to obviously different places i mean i traveled mm-hmm. from south america to uh, you know to <clears throat> northern canada and in northwest territories and everywhere in between but one of the coolest things is i got to fish and working with all those guys dancer dave sanda uh, Doug Stangy, Al Linder, Ron Linder, all these guys, and you're working in this collaborative effort of knowledge and gathering information, and it was a huge vacuum of uh, gathering information out of anything. I would say that that would be that would be it. He'd be actually working with, and each one of them had. I mean, Dahlberg. I mean, to go fishing with Dahlberg is obviously he's a really interesting individual. There he is. He's really fabulous fisherman. He really is for any different species of fish that swims. I mean, you name it. I mean, Larry doesn't really generally go out with guides. He goes out and finds them and figures them out himself wherever he's he's traveling around the world to some the Eden Sea or somewhere. You know, it's a crazy (laughs) spot. You know, he figures that's you know. I mean, to go do that, and I always like that doing that too. Actually. Early on, actually, even prior to even uh, Larry just got into that stuff when he, he went down there with me and my brothers. We'd go down to the Bahamas and Bimini, and we'd go out, and we'd never got guides. We'd bring our own boats down there and figure it out. Oh, so, cool. It was always interesting. Would you take a ferry over to him with a boat and trailer? No, we drive down to Miami and drive across to, to, over to Bimini. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm awesome. Serious. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm serious. Wow. Yeah, that that's was awesome. V, wasn't it? It was the t- it was the Thai E, the Thai E rolling through the ocean. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> unreal. Yeah, then you then you'd learn a lot of different things. Why have they always had all these salt, weird saltwater knots, FG knots in Alberta? Do you figure that out soon? Because all Fast. these fish would be would be stripping all your line off, breaking all your gear, breaking catches. We have to figure out some new tacticals. We need bigger reels, bigger, stronger. Undergunned. <laughs> all of a sudden, you'd be hitting these wahoo, and all of a sudden, they'd be tearing you a new one. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've definitely fallen in love with the salt. That's for sure. Yeah, they really, really, really pull, pull hard yeah that's awesome wow i can't i didn't know that's cool (laughs) they're so okay so go ahead we went on so many different uh the point one uh given point in time and there's you know it's just so many different memories when you're looking back at different places and times and people and uh it's it's incredibly fun it really is it still is incredible fun to this day yeah now yeah 
I'm learning today. I learned some different things today. Yeah, that's so right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah, how shallow they are. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, then I figured out actually a boat is not a good thing for these fish. Yeah. No, because they're that's... really so spooky, and you're better off to pull up and then you just tether down, and then I wade and walk around, and they're sure they're like these these red fish because they're in you know they're in yeah calf deep knee knee deep water you know <laughs> yeah still learning that's cool no yeah. <laughs> it's never ending <laughs> okay so I've got one here so let's tell uh, let's have you tell us about the musky bug when you caught it how you caught it. Well, let's hear the story here. Oh, that—that that was back to the Hickory Campbell uh, over in uh, Rhinelander, Wisconsin. My brother and I, uh, at that point in time, we were quite young. At that time, we were probably eight or ten years, ten years old, and we actually had these baits. So it's called the, what was that? The Head and Vamp, and then there was sure. a number, a number of different baits that we would have. That Willie, my brother Willie, and I would go out and musky fish on on Lake jo- Lake George in Highlander, uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And at that point in time, we actually had like a, my dad actually had the kids. He, we had like this little wooden boat, literally a wooden, like it looked like a, a wooden 315 Lund boat, you know, the old fiberglass like that, except yep. it was a wooden boat. It was wood. <laughs> okay. And it was actually a pretty good fishing platform. It was wide open, you know, I mean, just the whole thing. Yeah. Well, a big, big flat thing. And you got a tiller engine on it. But that's initially when Willie and I would go out there and we'd throw the other bait was the uh, Cisco topper. This uh, sure. Cisco topper. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that vamp. Willie's big favorite. He, he was really big on throwing it like a jerk bait. We actually had those little weird short musky rods that were really too, too, too stiff. And I don't even, <laughs> did we have, we might have, Early on, I don't even know if we would should have had good bro. We would have had good broad uh, braid yep. at that point in time. I think it was, yeah, yep. line in bait casting rods and re, re, or bait casting reels that really were not uh, supreme casters at that point in time. <laughs> like the handle would spin when you threw it. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, the knuckle, real knuckle busters. Yeah, the little tiny little white. Pearl handles, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh you you'd, you'd hook them and land, land them. I you'd think at that point in time, that's what would did the Fluger Supreme came out at that point in time, or one of the or sure. one of the beat beat uh, beat casting rods. Yeah, no anti reverse on no. it. The handle just went backwards. No. That's funny. No. Actually, I actually got really into mus- musky fishing. Probably actually up here when I started fishing on the Mississippi River, I actually got into it really because I used to live. Uh, just south of Brainerd and uh, my buddy's house was right next to the, the park down there. So I would go down there and spent a lot of time fishing them down there where I started. It was really cool. in the fact that at that point in time, there was nobody else fishing for them. And these were really natural, natural fish. And they were very, some very large, you know, very large river fish, natural river fish, which was really sort of, wow. and we had about, well, you got about, you know, quite a few miles of water to fish and learn. And I actually put a lot of time there. And then actually at that point in time, I started fishing all the, all the natural lakes around here, because at that point in time, there was no, none of the stocking programs. We only had a really relatively limited number of musky lakes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You, you'd have chaos, you know, leech, uh, little boy, Inguidona, you know what I mean? Those, there was a very very limited uh population of uh, muskies fisheries in sure. the state you know what i mean where you look at today well we got a lot of them you know they 
added what I'm over 115 different lakes to the uh, right. to the current huh. lakes in the state that contain muskies. Yeah, which I don't you know I, I don't know what we're doing right now with Malax. It's unfortunate that they turn that lake off because that still should could be maintained as one of the absolutely the most phenomenal best lakes in the world. Yeah, in the world. I don't did anybody even catch one out there this last year? <laughs> I never heard about what the fall. Not a lot. What? There is one, yeah. Knutson got that giant. Oh, did, did Knutson get get another yeah. one out there? He got a big one. Yeah, I don't know how long was it. What fifty? I did not even hear. It was a thirty-inch girth, but it was that right? it was a huge one. Yeah. Yep. How many how many days did he spend on the water? Oh, I'm sure plenty. <laughs> I, I, a lot. Yeah, I know. I I I, was, I thought it was fun when it, when there was a, quite a few of them in there. It was really quite fun. Lee and I actually would go out there and hunt them. That's when you'd make one pass across Garrison Reef, and you'd see five forty pounders on one pass, and they're all oh different ones. They come in, they look like jet, <laughs> they, they look like jet fighters coming in. <laughs> they come in, they're like, Ooh, look at the size, big blonde creature. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, what a yeah, special place. Yeah, all the place. days we spent on the water together, James, and we never did put a fifty in the boat. I know we hooked two for sure that were over fifty. Yeah, but we just couldn't get them in the boat. No, I mean, no, when we were filming out there, you know, right. when we were filming, yeah. yeah, because I caught them obviously when we're yeah when right. we weren't, weren't filming, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I, I, exactly. I caught some other ones that we were filming in in fishing or angling edge shows out there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the Mississippi River, when you first started fishing the muskies out there. What, what, what was what was the three or five baits you used on that water? Um, actually, a, one of my favorite baits was a, a bait called the DB06, a Bagley DB06. It's a crankbait. Oh, yeah. crank At okay. the time, I was actually through a lot of moldies hog wobblers, top water fishing, until like I tore one in half, and then I got gun shy about one where it fish ate it and ate, tore the bait in half. Was, sure. You know what I mean? So I got sort of gun shy about that. Um <laughs> What other baits? Uh, long A. Like, yeah, I know you liked fishing a long A. Yep, bottle a bomber model. Bomber. bomber model A was also a really good bait because we were fishing different. You're fishing those shallow flats throughout the summer months. You know, during the summer, a lot of the fish are very, very shallow. I ended up working with the Department of Natural Resources, um, Jerry Yonkers, and he. We had. I think we. I forgot how many of them we put a. a tags in them and he followed them for several for like a year and a half until the tags ran ran out and i actually eventually caught a number of those fish that we had uh, put those tags in and most of the time when they'd go find them during the summer they could go visually identify the fish that's where they were wow 35 pounds 30 pounders that they're 25 to 35 pounders and there you could visually go see them with your eyes that's how shallow and, water they were oh my gosh you know, but oh, cool. it, was, it was interesting what he told me and the number of fish that was there was a real sort of spooky to me in the fact because he told me that how many fish he thought was in the system and at that point in time I was fishing muskies really really hard and I actually cal cal calculated that I caught one third of the population in my boat the one third <laughs> of the population and Makes, really right. how many fish were in there I couldn't believe it you know what I mean? Because I caught 120 of them. He says there was there's 300 in this, 300 adults in this pool, and I caught 125 that year. Just like, <laughs> you know, wow, I mean, that's like, cool. You know, that's a little that's a little scary in the fact that it goes to show you how little fragile. Uh, 
exactly how delicate those fisheries are and even in those big bigger natural lakes and how many fish are really there and how many fish are you be catching again and uh, you know how many times oh, yeah. fish are how they keep on becoming harder and harder to, to be caught i i you know what i mean no there's they're getting smarter every year <laughs> yeah, they, they are that's what jeremy says the same thing jeremy yeah says the same thing you know, and since we actually sort of backed off on some of our Minnesota stocking, he he's he Jeremy's of course went back to old favorites. Sure, a oh, uh, can can Canadian water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, this yeah, they caught some real whoppers this year too. Back up on Black Sewell, Wabagoon, Lake of the Woods. You know what I mean? Eagle. You know those classic classic natural, yeah, musky waters, which are. Those are really, I know, uh, Lee, you haven't been back up there for a couple of years, have you? It's been a very long time since I've been up there. Well, you have a new, new boat. It should be be there. It should we'll, we'll, we'll have to set up a, <laughs> we got to set up a mission to go up on uh, Laxul or one of those. Laxul, I would love to go back. That would I love be. That. Like, it is so big. It is just, I mean, it's one of those lakes where I, we keep on learning more. The more we go up there, the population is more spread than what I think other people really know about It's based on, because we're, yeah, we've been expanding our, <laughs> sure, your milk run. different waters were, but, but you know what I mean? And there, there are muskies there. Yeah. How cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's where I caught my first, uh, 50 ever was, uh, September, uh, September 6th. I want to say of 2001, I got a 54 and a half. By 24 incher up there on a Stanley Musky Boss spinnerbait. I know you remember that. that oh yeah, yeah. That, the big sil- rubber silicone skirts. Those were good bait, baits for that, if especially yeah. for like Lexwell, where you got fishing those shallow weeds like that, where you got a lot of that junk weed. You actually Wabagoon. That was a really good bait for Wabagoon too, because you're fishing that that four foot, five foot cabbage beds in the real shallow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a Chamberlain Narrows fish I had caught. That was. Very memorable fish for sure. Boy, there's some giants in that region. There's some really giants. I know Jericho. I know Jared was up there filming. It's I don't know when. It should be airing here soon. They they got a fifty four, cool. just there recently, or not, cool. not this last year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of my favorite all time favorite uh, at the time was in fisherman videos. Is when Al caught that monster on Lac Sewell trolling the bomber long a yep um at, at chamberlain up that way yep. that that was a very memorable segment i'll never that's what really got me to go there basically yeah that's that was a cool that was a cool trip i think we shot two different shows we shot a big pike piece and then dug dug yep. another trolling piece i think we were trolling uh trolling bobbies or something i think we were snap trolling along those like 45 degree rock banks snap trolling real fast with bobby bits yeah <laughs> Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fabulous. It's still to this day is a fabulous. I mean, it's a, like it's so big and so massive. Remote. No matter how much you fish it, I mean, you you could never spend the time to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's so it's so big. It really is. It's incredibly big. Yeah. <laughs> so moving along to uh, let's dive into uh, Linder Media and the angling edge yep uh, uh you had a non-compete clause after the sale of in fisherman yep and then we st- started uh, Lindy, uh, linder media productions which we actually did a lot of uh 
and still to this day do a lot of uh, commercial productions for different um, different people uh, make commercials, which is always one of my fa actually favorite uh, parts of the industry is uh, making high-end commercials. Today's day and age, not a lot of sponsors are willing to spend that type of money to make those really high-end, uh, high-dollar commercials, yeah. But one part of it is still is my favorite, and I still work with it today. You're asking what some one of your favorite things to do. It's actually lure design techniques and lure design for making lures and uh, doing the R&D research and development with different products. And I work with a lot of my different uh, marketing partners from Hummingbird, uh, Minn Kota. I actually had the first Alltrex uh, trolling motor on my boat sure. for years before it was even used in this whole spot lock feature. And I told him, boys, you better get the engineers <laughs> ready because just that spotlight feature alone, that one thing will see you'll sell it to every bass angler. Any, anybody who's a, has a trolling motor wants that spotlight guaranteed, no matter what. Yep. I mean, it's, it, 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 that's what I told him. And for the entire year, I'm taking it on and off my boat and I'm even fishing bass tournaments at that point in time. And it's like, you know what I mean? Where I'm still, you know, after I take it off, I'm fishing a tournament. I'm going back up to the front of the boat to hit spot lock that isn't there. But yeah, that was, you know, and even <laughs> sure. a lot of different tackle, man, you know, baits with Rapalas. We work with a lot of different mm -hmm. lure design with those guys from top water baits to, you know, hard baits, jerk baits, crank baits, you know what I mean? During the designing lures and stuff like that. That's a really fun part of the, uh, of my of what i do to this day you know and right now we're producing uh i think 65 is it 65 television shows i i, I don't know let's see 13 angling edge 13 another 13 angling edge 26 weeks of that a 13 week one show another 13 mm -hmm. week canadian show uh which was the ontario experience which is going to be rebranded on the canadian experience which is going to be another uh, which we're working on right now and cool. we do a whole series on ice fishing which is angling but bu then this whole angling buzz show itself yep. which is more or less what i tried to do with that was more of a sports center and the more current information what's going on right, yep. right now and uh, it's, it's a little bit of a different show where you got well obviously you guys have all been on that. yeah yep. yeah but, you know, so it, it, it keeps us busy, you know what I mean? We got five different guys editing um, and shooting almost all the time, three, you know, 365 days a year. We're in the field shooting Rolling. material for uh, editorial content to uh, feed the the giant monkey. The beast. Yeah, as fast <laughs> as you can shovel it. It's eating up information, you know. Yep. I, you know, in today's day and age, I think you can go a lot more vertical, you know what I mean? We're a lot more vertical in your editorial content is, is uh, that seems to do a lot better these days because maybe it's because of YouTube too, a lot more mm -hmm. personal, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, and it keeps on television still, you know, they, everybody says they're cord cutters and the TV's going away. TV. I don't, how do I say that? TV is never going to go away. More video is being consumed now than ever in the past it's right. there and how it's being how you can gather that information yep. so there were being streamed and we're doing everything right now we're on broadcast television we're on pursuit we're on sportsman's channel we're on the outdoor network we're on wfn we're in streaming we're on 
a bunch of Christian broadcasting networks were on. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were on a bunch of Bally Sports, which is like the Fox or yes, Fox Fox, distribution networks. And um, it's, you know what I mean? You you, then actually also on YouTube and um, yeah. On, on YouTube, that's incredible. Uh, that's all. <laughs> it really made is. it. It made it a lot harder now. You know what I mean? Because you got to make all these right. various, very, very ge- generations. We used to make when we used to do to TNN. This was years and years ago. And TNN and ESPN actually had a very large audience, about an audience of eighty million. Mm-hmm. And this was during the infishing years. And right, we would air one show, and we'd garner. Oh, you know. A, a million views on that one broadcast that one day wow one show crazy you know? <laughs> that's, that is crazy yeah it really <laughs> was boy but do you know what it worked really good was gathering magazine subscriptions you'd, you'd run a commercial yeah. on, on that with 80 million you wouldn't believe it the yeah. cash register would just ring <laughs> it was just unbelievable because <laughs> we'd do these subscription drives and i used to make the commercials and yeah uh, commercials were garnering uh these different spots and it was just amazing on uh, you know what i mean where we get you know you get fifteen thousand, you know ten thousand it was, was very very common to do eight to ten thousand subscribers in a weekend jeez that's wow. awesome <laughs> yeah that that works yeah, that's yeah cool. youtube can't touch that no 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 I, I, no even to this well i guess it can if you're in the right if you're the right, yeah. you're the right, can, yeah. leader, I guess you know, whoever they yes. do, do get that, those those are uh, fabulous numbers. It, it's a, it's a pretty amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna- no, I don't think I don't think in the musky world. <laughs> There's not enough of us to get those kind of views. No, no. So it, it keeps us it keeps us really busy, and we're still uh, playing to this day. Keep on gr- grinding and uh, grinding them out, you know, grinding out more editorial content. Actually, when I'm down here, I'm actually writing. It's not like I, I actually work. Really? I work afar. Yes. Uh, yeah, I actually can be in Monday morning meetings by Zoom and. Yeah. And, yep. And we're I'm writing as well. Well, actually, I'm writing English sure. programming as we speak. Actually, and working on some of that. We know you're a workaholic, James. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. We all know that. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 fun. It's fun doing it. They know when when it stops being fun, that's not going to be a good thing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> You know, going back to what you said you really enjoy was like the, uh, you know, the production aspect and the making of commercials. And I just, you know, I grew up watching this stuff. And one of the commercials that really stuck out to me, um, well, a couple of them. One was, of course, where, where Al was uh, doing the trilene commercial. We flipped and the down, the down on, yep, he's le- leaning on the, on the wood uh timber that was flooded timber and the log breaks and he falls right in the drink and he's like that's why i use trilene that, <laughs> that, was, that wasn't that was an accident and he just came up right actually that was an accident when we did no that. really <laughs> he to use it he said let's just use use it yeah oh yeah that's it yeah that oh my gosh awesome. <laughs> that one and then the other one i remember well was a little after that was a, a Minn Kota commercial and I want to say it was Al, Roland Martin, and I, I think Hank Parker. And it was, uh, I think it was an ad for a transom trolling motor. Yeah. 
uh, which uh, which is a little strange for you know those two guys other than Al. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 but at any rate, it was uh, talking about the eighty-pound thrust, tr- or no, no, it was at the time it was seventy-four pounds of thrust. I think it was a twenty-four volt system. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Roland and Al fall out of the boat, and uh, Al, you know, they kind of pop their heads up out of the uh, water, and uh, uh, you know, he says, uh, Hank says it's a seventy-four pounds of thrust, and Al's like, it felt more like eighty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that i mean those were just those were classic you know you know high production like you were talking about yeah. commercials that just you know you know stuck with me all these years so. yeah those were the, i remember working at the, at the agency that was dick wood and company is the guys that we used to work with with those those guys who actually Actually, the weird thing is, I think Al just spoke to Dick Wood, which is interesting that you bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Small world. Yeah, it really is, yeah. The one other piece that comes to mind was the uh, Angling Edge uh, intro that you guys had for several years, the one where you coined the phrase, Sometimes you just gotta make them bite. bite. <laughs> that was legendary, dude. I love that commercial. <laughs> oh, you know, that was a, that was the intro. The intro, the intro yeah. The, show. yeah. That the, the intro, one, yeah. Where you come out of space and it was sort of like yes, you know, like coming down through the clouds. <laughs> yeah. That was tremendous. Uh, tremendous my, my, intro. Yeah, that was. my buddies and I in uh in high school, I think we we were saying that line when we were out fishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry, awesome. I'm dying. You just gotta make them bite. That's funny. <laughs> Good stuff, James. Man, this is uh, we could we could definitely we need to do this again because we can go on and on. There's a lot on and on. We need to get fishing. That's what we need to do this year, James. Yes, I do too. <laughs> Maybe I know we got to get on the on the net, a couple of different missions. I know what they are too. Yeah, we got some good ones lined up. I like it. Well, I'm. Yeah, we're gonna really fish interested. Minnesota more this year, Robbie and I. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah we plan. have to. Boy, it's really unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's the uh, yeah, fishing's been really, really good. I uh, you know, I, and I don't. It'd be interesting. It really is. Fishing is probably better now than it's been in a long, long time. I think, you know, which we got to still maintain our management philosophy to maintain these fisheries into the future, you know, especially with the new technology coming on. And because anglers today, yeah, it's sort of interesting that people don't fish where fish are not <laughs> the way they used to. <laughs> it used to be a very good point. <laughs> of the anglers that could really go find fish, but today's day and age, there's a lot more are very, very knowledgeable, astute anglers. And you see it today, even with these young guys, like in the professional bass and walleyes and, you know what I mean? These young guys come in and they just, they just clock. Clean up. Yeah, they really do. And it's all about a lot of, you know, they're pretty knowledgeable of using their electronics to the, to go find them. And they do, you know what I mean? This forward facing side imagery, you know, I did. So I actually, I was talking to uh, Kevin Van Dam. I had to go down and speak at this thing for, at Bass here last year, and Kevin was telling me, says that these guys utilize their electronics like in those Great Lakes fisheries. They don't even fish. They don't practice. Yeah. 
they don't fish in practice. Drive. They drive. They just drive and core, drop coordinates, and they come back. We'll figure out how to catch them later. <laughs> they just go. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I spoke them. Amazing, because they didn't eat. And Kevin says I can't do that. I still can't get my mindset to to go. You know what I mean? But it's, but that's the yeah. that's the way it's not angling. You know, is today. You know, it's not not so fun. I don't know. I don't like that. That's just. Right. It it was easier just fishing a weed edge, <laughs> you know, just fishing a weed edge, Even you know. With, you know, like this, this forward facing sonar, you know what I mean. When you look at that, and I I've been using it a lot the last two years, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much of actually how these fish move and how fast they're moving. They never sit incredible. Get them on it. 2d sonar and it seems even they, they come across and they look like they're sitting like this I mean, yeah yeah they're not, they're like, not. <laughs> right there but that isn't the case at all they're milking no. and they're moving and it's just unbelievable i was out with my brother willie and I, i'm fishing for smallmouths and we're throwing top water and jerk baits fishing really really fast and this little lake called clear water you're you're sort of familiar with it is right over by Milax. anyway uh and i come up across this point and i got the forward and i'm scanning out in front of the boat and I'm looking at all these fish, and I said, Willie, these got to be smallmouths, and we're not catching them. So I pick up a really light tube, and I throw it out there, and I watch the tube drop, and I see the fish actually follow the bait down, and he swims up to it, and then he just tips up and picked the bait up off the bottom. I proceeded, <laughs> I pinned the boat into place and proceeded to catch any fish that was around us with dead sticking a tube and I had to sit there and throw it out to it, watch the fish and it into the point where Will, Willie had never really used forward facing stone sure. that much. And he said, let me do this. You know what I mean? I'm just waxing them. And he said, you know what I mean? You just throw it out there and just dead stick. Don't move the bait. <laughs> the interesting thing was in a short order, we probably caught, you know, eight or 10 of them. And I'm on the shallow flat. It's anywhere five to eight foot of water. And it's the tip of a hard bottom point in a matter of, 20 minutes or so we caught a number of them the fish either spooked or moved off and i went back and forth over that day, whole area the fish just disappeared they just dis- disappeared They're, they move that fast and even for even for like forward facing sonar that's where the, these guys are going to get really good at is using it for deep weed edge fishing it's incredible not only for finding fish but to find the density, the, the best weeds and the density of weeds. When I can sit there and scan, I did a piece earlier this year with Al. It's actually going to air this year. We were, did, we were flipping Tokyo rigs like in Gull Lake, my home lake. Uh, cool. Yeah. We have our deep uh, coontail beds in there that never were in this lake before. You know what I mean? They got the zebra mussels. Now all of a sudden we have weeds yeah. growing to 23 feet of water in deep coontail mats that are growing into 17, 18 foot of water. But you, what I'm using it for is driving around and you're pitching into the, because you can see these big coontail Stop. mountains in sure. and you're actually flipping right into the densest part of these coontail mats. So it isn't just, you know, they say forward facing sonar is just for, you know, finding fish or head hunting fish. I don't think that's what it is. I think people are going to find more and more things yeah to expand their knowledge into how it can be actually used you know what i mean sure or walleyes and like muskies and you know and you Mm -hmm. what some of these guys are doing with muskies up here with that right primarily way they're going finding them you know what i mean fishing reverse fishing from the inside out looking for muskies suspended off structure the exact same thing with walleyes the exact same thing is going on. Almost all the walleye tournaments, the professional walleye tournaments up here, 
dominated with that. In the, yeah, they, yeah, like on leech and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're sl- fishing with slip floats, slip floats, and uh, and leeches, or a dro- or a drop shot rig fishing for suspended fish. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty intriguing, you know. It really is. Yeah, so, it's an interesting time. <laughs> I know that's what that's what keeps me sort of into it. I think you know the more and more Very you cool. see, the more you you figure it out you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> the, more, the, more, the more you know, the less you really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, I suppose James, we should uh, cut you loose on this Valentine's Day evening. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I, my, what my wife is doing downstairs, she was, she's doing something <laughs> down there. I, I don't know. She, I got to prep dinner here, actually. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, <laughs> we really appreciate it, James. Uh, absolutely. It was my pleasure, gentlemen. We got to get together. Anytime you want to give me a ring, I'll, I'm around. Yep, Well, absolutely. we're coming up to Minnesota this year, so well, I gotta, look out. You got to get a musky <laughs> bite. Yeah, that would be fun. musky bite somewhere. All right. Well, we will cut you loose here, James. Um, thank you so much for all your insight and information and telling us your, uh, at least parts of your story. Uh, that's quite a, that's quite a story, um, to be told for, for sure. I'm just happy that we are able to capture just a little slice of this, um, for us to all watch this, uh, over and over again. So very cool. It is. It's, um, um, also just a reminder to, Check out the uh, Musky Expo coming up in Minnesota. Looking forward to that March 10th, 11th, 12th. And uh, that's pretty yeah. much all we got for you, and Robbie. It, it's winter time, so obviously angling buzz is rolling and angling edge is rolling right now, right? Every week. Yes. Yep. Okay, yeah. so um, you can you can find that right on YouTube the same day, um, right, yep. James? Yep. Uh, okay, every, cool. Every, we okay. got two new shows going up every week. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, awesome. That was a fun time. Guys, thank you so much for watching, uh, viewing, listening. Um, you can find this on uh, Podbean or obviously watch it on YouTube here. Um, uh, thank you so much for watching. That was, that was a good time. <laughs> we'll see you guys We'll later. do it again. All right.